Hi, this is Tim of the Watchbox, welcoming you back to the Tim Masso Podcast. Guys, I realized there was a bit of a gap between August and just recently when none of my podcasts were actually going up, and I deeply regret this. It was a tech problem on the back end. All of us thought we were updating as usual. Well, I am back, and I will be your companion on a weekly basis well into the new year. So starting with the topic of the moment, I'm going to reflect on the watches that impressed me most at Dubai Watch Week. I also spoke to a broad array of industry VIPs, watchmakers, executives, and designers, and I'm going to reflect a bit on those. You'll find all of those interviews on Watchbox Studios in the coming weeks, but I'm going to focus on watches today. There were quite a few that impressed me. I'm going to start with Karsten Freisdorf. Now, Karsten is a German watchmaker who works out of La Chaux de Fonds, and he's mostly known for designing watches and mechanisms for others. Now, he's been associated with a lot of projects that ended contentiously, and so I may as well address that before I'd even talk about the watches that he was showing at Dubai. He's been involved in a number of projects with Chronoswiss, Heritage Watch, Fabrication de Montrenommont, a couple of companies that never got off the ground, or at the very least, never got far. As far as I know, He's been sued successfully at least three times, and I mention all of this because I think you need to know what you're getting into when you commission a watch from an independent watchmaker. He only makes 20 watches a year. Everything is full custom. The watch he's selling now, the Montre KF8, retails for $100,000, and again, that is full custom. This is like commissioning art from a master, or if you're familiar with the tuner car world, commissioning a tuner car, full bespoke, either resto mod or full custom, from someone who has a reputation as an artiste. Uh, in the world of art, in the world of custom cars, and in the world of bespoke watches, you really need to consider where the watch is coming from, not just the product's intrinsic qualities. So again, Karsten Freisdorf is a contentious guy, and there are those who swear by him and those who swear against him. I may as well mention examples of each. I told you about the lawsuits from the Chrono Swiss Heritage Watch and Montre Normand era, but it should also be mentioned that I spoke to James Dowling, who is probably the world's foremost expert in Rolex, and he was there with his Montre KF Spirograph Tourbillon, and he said it was wonderful. He said that Freistorf has always treated him well, always made up for any deficiency in the product when rarely it showed, and delivered a product that has, for years on end, day-to-day, -day, been a reliable timekeeper and as durable as promised. So you have to weigh the history of odd legal action and false starts with the fact that now two Dubai watch weeks in a row, 2019 and 2021, I saw Freistorf watches working perfectly and in being enjoyed on the wrists of folks that I regard very highly. So you just need to know that the world of bespoke watches can be a little bit like the Wild West, and you need to research the stories in their entirety. Now, the watch he was showing this year, he was not actually exhibiting. He was he was there with his investor, Elmer Van Dyke, um, and they were talking about the new 8 model. The watch is 44.5 millimeters in diameter in steel. You can also get it in precious metal, but get it in steel. It's not as large as it sounds. It's just over 51 millimeters lug-to-lug -lug and remarkably thin at 12 millimeters thick. So this is a watch that has a tourbillon with a chronometer-style balance, a 66-hour power reserve, and pillar construction. We'll talk about what that means in a second. All for $100,000 and 12 millimeters thick. This is actually quite fair. 
And what exactly is a chronometer balance? Well, the watch is built like a marine chronometer. A Freistor finished his watchmaking apprenticeship in 1984 and immediately got to work on marine chronometers, that is navigation clocks, and conventional shorebound clocks. So he did a lot of work with chronometer-grade clocks and marine navigation clocks, from which he learned that that's really where all the action is. Wristwatches seem downright crude and imprecise after you have exposure to that kind of equipment. So what he did was he built a balance that is compensated and constructed much like a marine chronometer, absolutely enormous. It has nine or even 10 times the mass of a conventional wristwatch balance, and it's non-annular, which is to say it's not a circle. It's actually shaped a little bit like a Z. And what happens is, as temperature changes, such that the hairspring wants to beat more slowly, the balance will actually pull its arms in a little bit, increasing uh, its tendency to pivot and speed up. So as the hairspring slows due to temperature change, the balance actually speeds up. And these two things happen in equal and opposite magnitude. So the idea is much like a marine chronometer, the eight from Montre KF has the ability to compensate almost completely for changes in temperature. Now, it also uses two terminal curves, a Grossman inner curve and a Phillips outer curve. So it doesn't just have an overcoil, it has two overcoils to help center the mass. It is physically enormous and beats away at 18,000 vibrations per hour. It sounds like fireworks in the distance. This is a loud escapement, and that's generally the case with tourbillon watches, but the eight has such a big tourbillon carriage and such a burly escapement that even when I was alone in my hotel room at night, 20 feet from the dresser where I'd placed the watch, I could still hear it ticking in the quiet of the Dubai night. Now, I had the chance to wear the Montre KF8 for five days. Karsten took it off his wrist. He said, I trust you. Just bring it back before the end of the show. I had no issues with the watch. Winding, setting, operation, absolutely reliable, beautifully detailed, handsomely hand-finished, very impressive. It's worth the price for the chronometer balance alone, but there were fun elements in addition, as the watch features a honeycomb motif on the dial in the case back that references the coat of arms at Le Chaux de Fonds, which is where Karsten Freistorf practices. They have bees on the coat of arms, therefore a honeycomb motif on the case back in the dial. The watch is steel, the watch is loomed. It has a 84-hour theoretical power reserve with two barrels, but he uses a stopworks to halt the watch after 66 hours because for 66 hours, it is perfectly isochronous. It will keep outstanding time. So he limits the power reserve to the chronometric power reserve. But the best part about this watch might be the fact that it is a true bespoke high horology piece with full custom included standard in the price of the watch. And it's steel, it's loomed, it's 5,000G anti-shock, so 5,000G shock resistant, sufficient for NASA certification. It is also swimmable, though rated to 50 meters, he said the watch can withstand up to 100, and it is anti-magnetic to up to 1,000 Gauss or mil Gauss. So, a lot of compelling features here. In addition to the fact that you can get any case metal you want, you can get 44.5 or 42.5, any dial color you want. You can even get loom on the balance, as my test watch had. The watch is also equipped with one of the best warranty policies from any brand ever. Now, this is where I have a little bit more confidence buying a watch from Karsten Freisdorf in spite of his history, because he warrants the watch, along with his backer, his financial backer, Elmer, for five years. But here's the key. 
you get a free service inside of that five-year scope. So if you send the watch in, say, four years and 11 months down the line, he will service it for free and then return it to you with a new five-year warranty. Four years and 11 months later, send it in for servicing. He will service it for free and return it with a five-year warranty. Do you see a pattern here? You have effectively a lifetime warranty and free services as long as you send the watch back to Montre KF for a service within five years of the last service. I cannot think of anything more appealing from the standpoint of a watch connoisseur. And remember, he's only making 20 of these full custom each year. Now, a little bit more going on. Very impressed by Moritz Grossmann, uh, Christine Hutter, who is the CEO and founder of the company. Since 2008, she's been running the company. She's been overcoming some bad long COVID, so it was good to see her back up on her feet and a little bit more energetic with that effervescent personality that I remember so well from the past. So good to see her feeling better, and also with two exciting watches, one of which is the Moritz Grossmann Tremblage, a special edition, 41 millimeters. You can get it in your choice of rose gold or steel, and it features a tremblage dial. So what exactly is that? Well, it is a dial made of German silver, so a nickel, copper, zinc alloy, much like what a movement in a langa is made up of. And so it's got a lovely sort of golden hue to it because of the copper in the German silver alloy. It's sometimes called my short in French watch-speaking regions. So they start by relieving the logo, relieving the Arabic numerals, which are Breguet style, and relieving a little railroad track for the small seconds as well as the minutes around the edge of the dial. They then fit violet-fired steel hands that they craft themselves, both the polishing and the shaping, so you wind up with a watch that has a lovely frosted dial created by a hand chisel with gorgeous raised, relieved, and black polished numerals and dial features with hands that have mirror finish at their center and a lovely violet brown hue as they're fired for less time than blued hands. Turn the watch over, and it gets even better. Moritz Grossmann uses its own special setting system. You pull the crown out, it's spring-loaded, and then it snaps right back into the watch. So once you pull the crown out and snap it back automatically, you've put the watch in setting mode. The crown is still flush to the case as though it were winding, and you can move the hands. There's a little button just south of the crown, so go from 3 o'clock down to 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock on the side of the watch, there's a little reset button that automatically re-engages the drivetrain for the hands. So you don't have to push the crown back in after setting the hands. The drivetrain simply re-engages with absolutely no play. So if you hate it, when you set a watch precisely, then push the crown back in only to see the hands budge, you don't have that problem because of the Moritz Grossmann setting system that's included on the Tremblage and other Grossmann watches. Now, around the verse, reverse side, you have the same material the dial is made of, German silver, but finished differently with a satin, very lightly grained surfacing, like super fine grit sandpaper. All of their case backs are hand engraved, and not just the balance cock or the escape wheel cock, as you'll find in a longa. Those are hand engraved with lovely floral motifs, but it's the actual bridges and plates where you see 20 jewels, where you see the individual numbering, where you see the name of the company, Moritz Grossmann Glasuta. All of that is done with a chisel and a burin and finished by hand. So all of the engraving is done without a laser, without a drill bit, without a lathe. It's done freehand, and it's remarkably precise. I saw 
Recep Recepi and his Recepi and Decrivia watches at the show. And although those are also engraved by hand, the precision of the engraving was nothing compared to what I saw on the casebacks and movements of Moritz Grossmann. So that's impressive from a comparative standpoint that Grossmann is doing something better than Recepi in the world of movement finishing. Also important, on the Tremblage model, you have a lovely script that's used for the name of the company, Moritz Grossmann Glasuta. Normally, it would be in a printed font. Here it is full cursive. Absolutely beautiful. Moritz Grossmann uses screws that are also fired to a violet brown, just like their hands. So their screws are actually sort of a dark violet rather than blue, and they use clear stones rather than synthetic colored rubies. There's also a micrometric fine adjustment mechanism for the balance for precise timing, and they use their own proprietary a free-sprung balance with recessed bolts, and the balance is 14.2 millimeters in diameter, which is to say huge. It's about the size of a balance on an MBNF legacy machine, so if you have a mental visual of that, this is just like that. It has an overcoil hairspring. The entire fine adjustment regulator is is black polished. It's very, very impressive. And it beats away at a slow and aesthetically pleasing 18,000 vibrations per hour. Now, what I also saw was the Moritz Grossmann Backpage Blue. This is a watch that they're releasing to celebrate 13 years since the founding of the company. The original Backpage is a dial-side balance watch that came out in 2018. Well, the Backpage Blue is like that, only different. So they're making 13 to celebrate 13 years of the revived Moritz Grossmann brand name. The name is much older, but the company, 13 years old. They use caliber 107, which has a balance on the dial side and a visible dial side ratchet wheel and crown wheel and motion work. So you can see the balance, the hairspring, the actual motion works that sets the hands as there's a beautiful tri-spoke bridge underneath the hands and above the motion works. And then you can actually see the ratchet wheel and the clicks and the click spring, all of that sitting atop the barrel. So the motion works for the hands and the barrel, it's actually visible from the dial side of the watch along with the balance. Now what changes here is that you don't have the time scale that's featured on the standard back page. This one has a lovely nano-coated blue dial with the bridges and the plates all in a blue nano-coat with exceptionally broad Cote de Genève and no printed scale for the time. So a little bit like a Movado Museum watch, you look at the relative position of the hands to gauge the time. Individual minutes and seconds are not really a priority here, although if you wanted, you could tell it with a little bit of discipline and experience. Now this watch, 41 millimeters, is going to be made in platinum and Picking it up in the hand, it feels incredibly solid. You have once again the free hand engraving, but since the movement is on the dial side of the back page blue, you get that free hand engraving of the name of the company on the dial side of the watch. The hands, rather than the conventional firing used on these watches, they're actually black polished, and you have the same uh, you have the same setting system with the zero give hand return, uh, or re-engagement, I should say, that you find on the Tremblage. It's a very special watch. Manual wind with a 42-hour power reserve like the Tremblage. It is absolutely gorgeous with all of the most enjoyable parts of the movement, including the escapement, the balance, and the hairspring on the dial side of the watch. It is very impressive. And again, Moritz Grossmann, which is making uh, probably around 200 watches now. They'd like to make 400 eventually. But you're getting a nice element of exclusivity. Because remember, Jorn's making about 900 watches a year. Laurent Ferry is making about 170. And Richard Mille is going to make somewhere between five and a half and 6,000. So in the scope of independent watchmaking, 
you've got the really small brands, like, for example, Ludovic Balois, who makes 12 watches a year. And then you've got Karsten Freisdorf in his 20. And then you've got, you know, the likes of an MBNF or a Moritz Grossmann or a Laurent Ferrier in that 150 to 200 watch range. But let me tell you, if you're looking at a German independent, uh, you should be looking at Moritz Grossmann or Lang und Heine. Now, Lang und Heine was not present. I hope to catch up with them in the future. They also make wonderful things out of Dresden. Moritz Grossmann in the German watchmaking heartland of Glashütte. Now, speaking of impressive watches, Bernard Lederer, this is a early AHCI member, and, and really he was there at the very beginning with Sven Danderson and Vincent Calabresi in 1986, creating the Cool Kids Club of Independent Watchmakers. Now, since then, Bernard Lederer, a little bit like Karsten Freisdorf and some others, has mostly focused on making mechanisms for others. So he rarely practiced under his own name. He tended to design watches for other folks under whatever trade name they were using. Well, last year, Bernard Lederer showed a prototype of his central impulse chronometer. And at Dubai Watch Week, I was able to see the production version of this watch up close. And this watch is also the winner of the 2021 GPHG Innovation Prize. So it's a GPHG winner. And though Lederer was not at the show, the watch was because it was with the traveling GPHG collection. So what did I find? First of all, the watch is remarkably wearable. The central impulse chronometer is 44 millimeters in white gold, 25 pieces with a blue dial, 25 pieces with a silver dial. They have a lovely hobnail center. The watch is only 12.2 millimeters thick, which means that although it's broad, at 44, it's only about as thick as a Daytona, so it wears flat. Most surprising to me was when I put my calipers on the lugs, they were just about 46 and a half millimeters across. So though this is a 44, I find the watch wears more like a 40 or 41 millimeter round watch, which means it's probably in play if you have a smaller wrist. Now, what makes the central impulse chronometer important? A couple of things. First, it is a chronometer, doubly certified. A lot of watches use the word chronomet in the independent space without any actual certification. F.P. Journe is famous or infamous for this as the chronomet souverain, chronomet Holland and Holland, uh, the chronomet bleu, the chronomet optimum. None of them are actually chronometer certified. From Bernard Lederer, the central impulse chronometer is certified both with the COSC as a bare movement and with the French observatory at Besançon, France, as a fully cased up watch. So you get two chronometer certifications. Now, depending on what you read, this watch from Lederer has either a power reserve of 38 or 40 hours. It has two drivetrains, one mainspring barrel, but two drivetrains. Each drivetrain terminates in a direct impulse escape wheel. So like, for example, the Carrie Voudelain and Vontuit, the Laurent Ferrier Galet micro rotor, the FP Journ Chronomet Optimum, or the Charles Frodsham double impulse chronometer, this Bernard Lederer piece has two direct impulse escape wheels, and no Swiss lever. So it's a little bit like the Breguet natural escapement. Now, what sets this one apart from the others is that each wheel has its own drivetrain, and because each one has its own drivetrain, there's no difficulty synchronizing the two together by gearing, which was one of the weaknesses of Breguet's original natural escapement. But there's more. As letterer, 
uses a remontoir de galette, a spiral hairspring that acts as a power buffer between the barrel and his two direct impulsing escape wheels. So you have constant force to this double direct impulse escapement, which ensures that the watch maintains constant amplitude for the entire 38 to 40 hours of its manual wind power reserve. And unlike most versions of the Voulain and Vontuit, the Journe Chronomet Optimum, or the Ferrier Galley Micro Rotor, the Letterer Central Impulse Chronometer actually has hacking seconds, so you can set it precisely to a reference time. This is very impressive. Two drivetrains, two chronometer certifications, direct impulse escapement, and twin remontoir de galette constant force devices. The watch is absolutely gorgeous. Before you even get to the finish, the engineering is intellectually beautiful, and it's an impressive thing to look at, as there's an enormous, all-encompassing bubble sapphire over the case back. Highly recommended. I should mention, Ludovic Balois, who I referenced earlier, makes his 12 watches a year at his atelier, outside of Geneva, and he is truly a one-horse shop, making every part of the watch. Balois, who was a master watchmaker for Franck Muller and F.P. Journe, has been building under his own name since 2009. I had the pleasure of speaking to Mr. Balois, and I actually conducted my first ever French-language interview. I met him halfway. He was very nervous about doing the interview. Initially, his wife was going to come with him to provide moral support. But she wasn't able to come along, so he arrived by himself, and he was very anxious, like visibly uncomfortable, a hero for still agreeing to do the thing, but I wanted to make him feel a little bit better. So I posed the questions. I asked him, would it help if I posed the questions en français? Je peux poser les questions en français. And he said, oui. And uh, then we, we did it. He answered in English. I questioned in French. And for about 20 minutes, we had a wonderful talk about the watches he's been making since he left F.P. Journe in 2009. A little bit of background. Beyond his resume, he was always fascinated by model airplanes as a kid. And Ludovic Bellois actually built model airplanes long before he got involved in watchmaking. He went through watchmaking education early on, but he didn't feel like he had a firm enough base of experience to actually make watches. So he followed his first love, and for the better part of a decade, he worked in aviation technology and aircraft maintenance, which, in addition to being pretty cool, is very similar to how our former master watchmaker at Watchbox, Mike Michaels, got into watchmaking. He was an aircraft airframe and power plant mechanic, FAA certified. Ludovic Balois was also working in that sort of aviation tech before he joined Franck Muller in the early 2000s, uh, and he stayed for three years in after-sales service, helping to work on the most complicated watches. He learned fast. In uh, three years, he gained enough knowledge to actually be approached by Francois-Paul Journe, who asked Mr. Balois to come over and help constructing help construct the substantial complications that Journe started launching in the mid-2000s. So while Ludovic Balois was at F.P. Journe, he worked primarily on the Grand Sonnerie and the Minute Repeater chiming watches. Well, in 2009, Balois left, and he created his own brand. He launched in 2009 a watch called the Upside Down, 41 millimeters. He used the basic drivetrain, the barrel, uh, the escapement position, and the train locations of a Peso 7001 movement. But other than using the basic train geometry, 
everything else is completely constructed in-house, right down to the bridges and the plates, the wheels, the pivots, the pinions, everything he makes. So the Upside Down features its unique mechanism underneath the dial, and there are 12 numerals. They are Breguet-style Arabic numerals or Eastern Arabic numerals. You can get either one. You get Romans if you want. And only the current hour is right side up. So the current hour jumps right side up from its upside down position to succeed whatever the previous hour was. So it's an unconventional sort of jumping hour. There is a minute hand at center, and then you have the 12 hours fixed in position, with the exception of the fact that they turn right side up and upside down, depending on whether they are or not the current hour of the day. So in 2012... Ludovic Balois launched his second watch, which is called the Halftime. And there are two counter-rotating rings around the center dial, and only the numeral at the top of the dial is whole. So the two half pieces literally become a whole from halftime to full time to indicate the current hour. And in comparison to his previous radial minute hand, he added a retrograding minute hand at the base of the dial. So now you have a sort of jumping hour and retrograding minute. That watch also used the same basic caliber as the upside down, peso based, but entirely in-house in its fabrication, and a 41 millimeter case, which you can obtain in gold or platinum, depending on your tastes. Now, Mr. Beloir has made custom dials. Uh, he's made custom colors. He's made custom numerals. He's even made dials from lapis lazuli, and I saw one example of the upside down in particular in lapis that I had a chance to play with, and I was deeply impressed. Now, he only makes 12 watches a year, and he is truly a one-horse shop. Recep Recepi has somewhere between four and six watchmakers, plus a full-time engineer. He's saving up for a CNC machine. He has Jean-Pierre Hagmon making his cases. Recep Recepi is a much bigger operation, him and Acrivia. Uh, a much bigger operation than Ludovic Balois. Balois makes one watch every month. He says he's booked now two to three years, and his two products are soon to be followed by another Ludovic Balois branded watch, as he's already applied for and received the patent. He told me he can't disclose just yet, but we will see it soon. Now, it's also worth mentioning that Mr. Balois, in addition to being a formidable watchmaker under his own name, also created the Harry Winston Opus 13, which similar to his other watches, features an unconventional en volant display of time, a flying display of time with a rapidly jumping display. Check out YouTube, because I can't really describe it, but check out YouTube animations of the Harry Winston Opus 13 to see the third watch created by Ludovic Balois. Other cool things I saw, Beauvais, and I don't get much experience with Beauvais, but I met with the daughter of the founder and owner. Uh, her name is... Audrey Raffi, and I met her at Watch Time New York back in October. And we spoke for about an hour. She just graduated law school, and so she was now working for Beauvais full-time out of New York City. They moved their U.S. headquarters from Miami up to New York. And we talked about watches for about an hour. And she said, but you really have to meet my dad. He is super focused. He works from 5 a.m. to about 10 o'clock at night, and he lives and breathes Beauvais. Well, I got the opportunity to meet Pascal Raffi at Dubai Watch Week, and he was just as intense as his daughter's brief suggested. First of all, he doesn't like to call a watch a watch. You call it a timepiece or you call it a baby. He likes to talk about his babies, his many babies, and he says he can't pick favorites. I take his word for it. This is one intense dude. He brought over an example 
that really embodies the best of Beauvais. I should mention that he bought the brand in 2001. It goes back to the year 1822, but the modern version of Beauvais is very much the product of Raffi's imagination. He was a self-made pharmaceutical magnate, originally a lawyer. At 25, he bought into a pharmaceutical company uh, or a pharmaceutical services company, and by 35, he was retired. So Beauvais is basically his retirement project, and since 2001, he's been buying case makers, dial makers, movement manufacturers, and he's been bringing in all of the artistic crafts necessary to create an haute horlogerie watch. So miniature painting, enameling, guilloche, gem setting, all of it in-house. And he has a castle in Moitier, which he only bought because he learned that the original Beauvais family had been associated with the castle. So he bought a castle, he lives in the castle, and he moved Beauvais into the castle in Moitier, which is not far from where Carrie Voulin is located. So all the Beauvais watches are made out of a castle. And they have three collections, Fleurier, Dimier, and Penin Farina. Now the watches that impress me most are those in the... Fleurier collection because they use the Amadeo case. It apparently took five years to develop and it allows the watch to have two time-telling dials, a front and a back. And this one that I saw, the Monsieur Beauvais, features a coaxial second system whereby you have a double-sided seconds display where the hand actually moves in the correct clockwise direction regardless of which side you're looking at. So we have two dials on this watch, we had flinke enamel, so we had translucent green enamel over a guilloche precious metal base. Very impressive. Enameling and guilloche. And again, both sides, not just one. Both sides tell time. The watch also has an extensible bezel on one side that folds down and hinges down to create a platform for the watch, which has removable lugs to serve as a table clock. So it is a double-sided watch that can be worn on either side. It is a table clock, and this Amadeo case also comes with a junction for a full gold chain, so you can wear it as a pocket watch. Beauvais has also received many GPHG accolades, including the GPHG Aiguidor for the Grand Recital 22 back in 2018. They make about 1,100 watches a year, and 40% of the watches they make are full custom, meaning you can have anything you want, case size, dial color, font. You can even specify complications. Do you want a big date with a tourbillon? You can get that. Do you want a repeating watch with a tourbillon? You can get that. Do you want to dream up a watch that's not a variation of something in the catalog? Again, the watches are priced up to $2 million. The sky is the limit. Everything they need to make a watch and decorate a watch and customize a watch is in-house at Beauvais. So I was deeply impressed. Now, I will say this. Because the watches do have an ornate style, they are idiosyncratic. They're emblematic of the owner's singular vision of what a timepiece should be, which means not everyone will like them. But I will say this, I don't think there's another company that has a more impressive combination of integrity, originality, or capability in the industry than Beauvais. It's only real challengers, maybe Montrejean and Debetun, and I do mean few challengers. Now, what else impressed me? I have to talk a little bit about Acrivia. Now, you've heard about Acrivia because it was the original brand founded in 2012 by Recep Recepi a ethnic Albanian from Kosovo who left in 1998. He was born in 1987. He left in 1998. His father took him to Switzerland to get away from the war in Kosovo. And 
he signed a three-year apprenticeship, or pardon me, a five-year apprenticeship when he was 14 with Patek Philippe. And so his five years took him from age 15 to age 20. He worked at Patek Philippe. When he encountered the Patek Philippe 5101 10-day tourbillon during that period, he looked at that watch and had an epiphany. He thought, I want to make my own watch and I want to make it in the tradition of this level of finish and style. This cost no object is what I want to distinguish my own brand watches. So along with his brother, brother Jevdet, also a watchmaker, Rajepi established a Krivia, which is a Eastern Orthodox term for adherence to religious doctrine. He established a Krivia in 2012 and initially used a large modern tonneau-shaped case, a 43 millimeters, very large, broad. They were 70s inspired because that's a period he likes personally from a case design standpoint. But it wasn't until about 2015 when he received a lot of feedback on the Acrivia case, plus encouragement to work under his own name, that he thought, maybe I should do a more conventional case that's less polarizing. And according to what people are recommending, put my own name, Rajep Rajepi, on the watch. And the product of that was 2018's Chronomet Contemporain, a watch that struck like lightning, almost immediately establishing Rajepi as a watchmaker of reference and, as anointed by many in the industry, the rightful successor to the standards and aura of Philippe Dufour. Now, they're very different people. First of all, there's a huge age disparity. One works in Geneva, one works in and in the tradition of the Valet de Jeu, but they have the same uncompromising standards. Now, Philippe Dufour is more of a watchmaker engineer. He created the world's first wristwatch, Grande et Petite Sonnerie, in 1992. Rajep Rajepi is more interested in the bienfacteur, or the fine finish and beautiful manufacture of a watch that's already been engineered. While he can create a watch from scratch, he prefers to work on things like the refinement of the movement architecture and the watch finish while letting his in-house engineer handle most of the differential equations and integral calculus necessary to actually make a watch function. So Rajepi has an AK-06 model, which is his latest launch from Acrivia, and it represents his attempt to fuse the best elements of Acrivia with the Rajep Rajepi brand. Now, he says he has between four and six watchmakers, a case maker, and an engineer in-house, and he's keeping production low for now. But he's found that demand for Acrivia has increased since the Chronomet Contemporain has made him not a household name, but definitely a person of reference and a watchmaker whose Rajepi line is now sold out for years. So Acrivia has expanded, and people are now looking for Acrivia watches, whereas in 12, 13, 14, 15, they maybe kept their distance because the styles were weird and the watches were large. Well, the AK-06 is 41 millimeters, and it's under 10 millimeters thick, and Rajepi's very proud of the watch, and he should be. He says it fuses the fit of his smaller, more classical Rajepi watches with the look of Acrivia and the dial side movement. That's one of the great strengths of Acrivia. You do get all of the fun of the movement and the mechanism on the dial side, and he does a lot that's unique here. You can get the watch in steel, 
you can get the watch in titanium, which I love because you're not paying for precious metal. On the dial side, you have a lovely hammered dial base. So the whole thing has been hand hammered and exquisitely so. This is really quite special because a lot of the fun of these Ultralux watches is that the display case back brings the soul of the watch to light. Well, here you get all of that fun on the dial side. You get three hands, they're exquisitely finished, black polished and blued. You get that hammered dial base, which has a lovely chiseled, almost weathered look, executed by a thousand tiny indentations by a chisel and hammer. You get a double-sided power reserve indicator for the manual wind 100-hour power reserve, and that's fun because it has a wonderful symmetry to it. Now, Rajepi was saying uh, the pressure exerted by the power reserve display creates a counter torque that displaces the barrel enough to alter the timing of the watch in subtle fashion. So what he did was he created a countervailing lever arm so that the power reserve that is geared to the top of the barrel will no longer torque or displace the barrel. So by counterbalancing the power reserve mechanism, he has improved the precision of the watch in some infinitesimal sense. But it's more than just removing the effect of differential torque on one end of the barrel arbor. It's also about dial balance. As you have a geared system, a geared and sprung system, on both sides of the dial face power reserve indicator, and it looks really great. On this dial, you have silver, you have white, you have black, you have blue, you have violet, and you have gold, all of them coming together in a way that looks less chaotic and scattered than some of the earlier Acrivia watches. And there's a wonderful zero reset second system. So when you pull the crown out, there is a heart cam at the center of the small seconds, and then there is a hammer that falls on that heart cam and recenters the seconds hand, so it's a zero reset system. This is probably the most appealing watch currently made by Acrivia, and second only to the Chronomet Contemporain 2, uh, probably the most appealing watch made by Rajepi or the Acrivia brand. Also impressive to me, uh, Ferdinand Bertou. This is a great company that is a super haut de gamme subsidiary of Chopard. They only make a few dozen watches a year, and I regard them as an independent, even though Chopard is, in total, a one-and-a-half to two billion dollar watch and jewelry business. So, in the past, the FB2 was a round case with a remontoir and a fusée system and a certified chronometer. The FB1 was a lugless octagonal case with a fusée and a tourbillon and a chronometer certification. Well, now you can actually get either movement in either case. So you can get the fusée and the tourbillon with a skeleton dial in the round case. And you can get the solid enamel dial with the deadbeat seconds and the fusée remontoir tandem in the octagonal lugless case. So if you liked the FB2, which was the chronometry prize winner in, I want to say, I want to say uh, the chronometry prize winner, I think this year, but the watch will, in either case, fit you because you can get the lugless octagonal case with the FB2 movement. So there's no longer a dedicated FB1 or FB2 movement. You can actually get either movement in either case. So they're saying FB2 means round case. FB1 means octagonal case. It does not specify a combination of case or movement. You have absolute flexibility there.
I have to say that these watches are gorgeous. They're made in very low volumes. They are deeply impressive. And if you have the chance, please check out Chronometry Fernand Bertou. These are some of the best finished watches you will ever encounter and a rare instance of a high horology watch that's actually chronometer certified because frankly, most companies are simply terrified to put up or shut up. And by the way, the, I should mention that the FP2 was the chronometry prize winner back in 2020, not 21. Uh, but these Fernand Bertou watches are beyond belief. Finished as good as Grubel 4C, maybe even better than Grubel 4C. I'm talking a level of finish associated with the Dufours, the Rejepis, the Long und Heine of the world. These Ferdinand Bertou watches are truly special. And while they cost about a quarter million dollars each, turn one over, look at the details, and you can see where the money was spent. There is nothing else like them. Yes, it's a revived brand name. Yes, it's not really an independent being owned by a multi-billion dollar company. And yes, the watches are quite large. They're Grubel 4C sized, in addition to having Grubel 4C levels of finish. But you will not regret the time you spend with these watches, nor will you regret the money you spend on these watches, as they are hugely impressive, and in my opinion, co-equally the best finished watches in the business. So again, if you want the best finish in the business, Longuntina, Ferdinand Bertou, Cary Voudelin, and Philippe Dufour, Acrivia, Grubel Forsey, that sort of thing. Deeply impressive stuff. If you ever have the opportunity, check out Chronometry Ferdinand Bertou. And remember, the original FB1 won the GPHG Aguidor back in 2016, and there is a reason for that. This is what impressed me most at Dubai Watch Week, but I might do a second installment of my impressions from Dubai, because frankly, there was just too much to cover in one episode of this podcast. So thank you so much for downloading and listening to this and for supporting my work and Watch Fox. Time out, Tim out, and thank you for logging on.